This is Celeste from Me After Work. Welcome back to You Don't Know What You Don't Know Until You Know. And this morning we are speaking to Jeff in Vision. Close. Everson. Everson. Not that it matters. Do you know what? When I looked at your name, because I thought, I've never, I don't even know your last name. And then well, I why like, would searched you know, it. Why would you? And it made me think of um, Envision, you know. The, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that really his last name? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it before. <laughs> yeah, Everson. I think it's Northern European. Ah. Yeah. But so very rare I ever come What's No, like uh, Norwegian, Swedish. Ah. Uh, don't ask me why. Okay. They do do, if you look at the, uh, those countries, they do do like a lot of names of son of, so probably was son of E-V-I, son of Evie. Oh, so who were your grandparents? Who I've, was no, no, I've no idea. So your parents born in Australia? So, no, uh, my dad was, my, so my dad was brought up in India and my mother was brought up in, in Kenya, in Africa. Um, but they met in London. Uh, the the children of the of the Raj, so children of the when the British dominated the world, you know, and sent people all over the world. But they met in London, and I was born in London, in North London. And then when did you come to? So I came to Australia when I was 22. So I've been in Australia because I'm now I'm 53 and a half, or 64 in November. So I've been here longer than uh, than I lived in England. Would you um, classify yourself as an Australian then? Totally. But I would have done that from within the first year of being here. Like uh, when I got here, I thought, shit, I was born in the wrong country. Like, I love Australia. Um, I love everything about Australia. I was definitely born in the wrong country. <laughs> I always loved it from when I arrived. So, yeah. And what is it that you love? So, I love, I love the... I found uh, it's a much uh, fairer uh, quality of life. I think Australia is spoiled it's, uh, with its richness of natural resources and land and um, beauty even. Um, but... You know, I think a, a quality is much, of course there's a disparities, um, that, you know, there is everywhere, but I think the disparity between rich and poor is a lot closer here um, in Australia than it is, for example, what I saw uh, in the UK and certainly what you're seeing now um, in America. You know, America, when I was growing up, so as I said, I'm 53 when I was growing up, everyone wanted to go live in America and I think every, that was kind of like Nirvana if you were uh, one of the best lifestyle in the world, the most progressive country in the world. You know, no way it's that now. Um, Have you uh, been? Some people, yeah, I've been there, we've been there the last two years, been there. It's, I mean, some people call it a failing, failing state. You know, it's almost like a, in the end, you can envision, envision this area where the rich live in these um, gated communities and, and there's kind of a wild Mad Max scenario outside these gated communities. Unless they sort, sort their shit out sometime the soon. Irony, and, and, irony is that yeah. you're, they're being... Who's controlling who if you're in a gated community? <laughs> like, it's well, that's interesting. Well, that's the crazy thing. The rich don't realise by by not paying taxes and by not giving uh, health uh, rights and education to poor people, they're actually ruining their own lives in the end and that's just stupidity and they're meant to be intelligent um, but actually they're going backwards as a society 
And who wants to live in a society like that? It's almost going back to the way kind of South Africa was 30 years ago. America, by the stupidity, are kind of heading back that way. Anyway, so Australia is kind of the opposite of that to me. I've travelled, lucky enough to travel quite a lot, and Australia is certainly the best place lifestyle. The most interesting place to be to is India, but the most best place to live, you know, is um, so many opportunities. I think, but also just the outdoors and the, um, and having the weather also to take advantage of the of, of nature. I just went to India in December and it was great. It's an experience. I wouldn't say it's a holiday, but it's an experience. And when I came back, I actually thought we'd come back to heaven. Like Australia (laughs) has got got it going on. But it has from a living lifestyle perspective. But if you want culture and history and multiple religions, uh, and I mean... Indians were like the greatest mathematicians going back, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years. You know, they they have a. Someone asked um, Gandhi what he thought about what he thought about Western culture, and he said, "Yeah, that would be a great idea." Well, that's <laughs> because India's had culture for you know for centuries before before we ever did. Uh, it's it's a fascinating uh, melting pot, isn't it? Of different religions and a billion and, people and, and contradictions and, and, yeah massive and they live a totally different kind of way of life you know the, you know they're thinking about time for example um, you know very relaxed in a way kind of very relaxed in a way they all seem to get on despite the chaos and the heat and mm. uh, so many people organized yeah. chaos yeah well it, to us it's chaos but to them it's just their way of life you know? mm. and it's so different oh from... it's so different yeah. where did you go when you went so to... i've been everywhere um in india but i had an interest in it obviously because my dad as i was born in Calcutta, um went to school in darjeeling so i've always been interested in india uh, but i traveled there spent like um, six months traveling around by myself doing a whole loop of the country and actually then I got a job in England um, I had a so now I work in technology but before I used to work in finance but I got a job in, in, in London which enabled me to go to India a lot on business so I was an Australian working for a Japanese bank Namura working in London trading Indian shares you're an interesting guy <laughs> That was an interesting combo. Yeah, yeah. And what was so appealing to you, aside from your dad growing up in India, what did you take from that experience that... um... Well, as I said, it's a fascinating... It's a fascinating... It's got everything from, uh, you know, just nature, from the the deserts of the north to the rainforest of the south. So you've got that difference. You've got um, temperature differences from, uh, obviously, extreme heat to freezing cold up in the Himalayas. The the religious, the the Muslim, uh, Hindu, uh, Christians, and where the Ngoa and places like that, you've just got this... It's... Um, just it's a, and just that billion people it's just so crowded I mean obviously famously as well the, the traffic and the traffic rules if there are any yeah that's just you know so different compared to the way and public transport um, 
Yeah, it's such an interesting. So, but the people I found, you know, generally so welcoming, so friendly, so keen to talk. Um, to you. Um, they would have been fascinated amazing. by you. You're so tall. <laughs> I've got blue eyes. <laughs> Who is this yeah. guy in India? Yeah. No, I love I loved, I totally love India. So. Yeah, but I can see how people, I think if you're coming straight from uh, um, the UK or Australia into India, it's a, hell of a, it's a hell of a shock. And I think it's almost best to go there. Uh, you almost need like a some kind of adjustment time to downtime because you can hate it and I can see if you were to go there for two weeks and there's the heat and the dust and the squalor and the, um, and, and I can see why people hate it but you don't have time to really get into it and I think you really need some it needs time to really appreciate it and mm. get into it I mean I and it, the first time I ever went there was kind of soft introduction because I've been in Nepal for four weeks trekking and then so that's a really good kind of you're down to kind of the basics of life trekking in Nepal so to go from that to India was was relatively easy and also we went to I went to Rajasthan initially which is a very tourist of any state in India it's the most tourist friendly um, of places and also majestic and these amazing um, kind of palaces that the Muslims built when they invaded in the North Rajasthan and Jaipur and all that it's uh, yeah amazing to see all those uh, all that architectural and that history um, yeah so that's a very easy intro yeah. uh, into India um, well, the reason why we want to speak to you today, or yeah. I did anyway, was to understand more about trail running yeah. and how you got into it and mm. and talk about the experience, especially to someone that hasn't ever experienced it and mm. might not actually, and, and why what possesses someone to actually become make this part of their life. Um, so maybe just start yeah. with how you started into the world of trail running and running massive distances in one go. So uh, I've got a lot of caveats that I wanted to mention first. Okay. About, um, because I think it's easy to um, kind of glorify or to, to gloss over and just because I've got lots of amazing positive things to say about running but I have to say how I can understand there's a lot of people who hate running and I can totally understand and there a friend of mine says uh, a friend of mine who's done some of the biggest races in the world including Badwater which is 135 miles in the hottest place on earth says I hate running <laughs> what I love about running is everything that running gives me and I in a way I I kind of uh, strongly sympathize with what he's saying um, and, and I think the because uh, there are many times when you're either you don't want to get out of bed and go training in the morning or during a race you're having a low period and you're really struggling you know um, running's hard but that's actually almost perhaps what makes it enjoyable as well and but the benefits you get from running and when i'm talking about benefits um i'm talking about the camaraderie um of uh, kind of you're all in it together the amount of friends amazing friends i've met through running uh, just the um 
Uh, just race organisers and the volunteers at the race who are waiting for you in the checkpoints and look after you when you get to the checkpoints. Uh, you know, there's no money in it really for these race organisers. They just do it for the for the love of it. But also the the opportunity with trail running to be out in nature, kind of pushing yourself. It's something very base, like um, almost as if what I mean. I'm not. I don't believe in religion and God, but I. I do kind of believe in nature and where we came from in the first place, and I feel there's something very base about running. I mean, I, often I compare it with triathlon because my wife's a, a very good triathlete, and I look at it and she's done Ironman, she's done the World Champion World Champs last year. But with with triathlon, there's a lot of um, gear involved. Um, you know, a couple of bicycles, a wetsuit. Uh, there's a huge amount of gear, and I often say. You never see at the Olympics the um, Africans and the Indians doing well at triathlon. Why is that? Because they're great athletes. You know, they, especially Africans are running when it all involves is a pair of shoes, not even a pair of shoes at times. Yet they're the best runners in the world where it takes his ability and training dedication. Whereas things like sailing and motor racing and triathlon, it revolves around having money. And to me that biases um, the results. Whereas you just do the city of surf and, and you know, I'll be going along, you know, I think I'm doing, I do a reasonable, reasonable time. I look around me and there's all sorts, you know, all uh, all ages, all sexes, all sizes, all sizes. Um, I'm sure all income groups. Mm. It's very inclusive. Yeah, it's uh, accessible. Very inclusive. So, but but um, the ultra running, the long distance running, just took it another step further from road running to so. How do you make that? When yeah. did you have like the transition from? Program, yeah. just doing your 15, your, even your marathon, so yeah. 21, your 42 to going, oh, I'm going to do, what's the most you've run? Uh, 245Ks. Okay, two, 245Ks. Yeah. How yeah. long did that take you? So, uh, yeah, I made, it was later in life. I only came to running really in my 30s. And I have to say it's an acquired, running is an acquired taste, as I said. I think a lot of people don't like it, and I can understand why, because running is hard. Uh, and in fact, for most people, I would advocate um, fast walking over over running. And I don't know why people don't do more walking for a, uh, I think it's good for mental health, I think it's good for fitness, um, mm. it's sociable, go with friends. So, you know, don't you don't have to run, just go for a walk, um, you know, three or four times a week uh, for 45 minutes, you know, it'd be, be amazing for most people. And if you feel like running at times, then then run, but uh, you don't don't have to run. But I, uh, yeah, I made the transition in my thir- in, in my thirties. I should say though, I'm not a good runner. I mean, some of them don't know why I do run because there's actually some sports that uh, I'm reasonably good at. I've never won anything in, in running, so I. It just I don't all know depends if, on who else is in the race. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's true, but running really only rewards, and I like it like this: the winner or the first three, right? We don't do age groups, really. We don't say, okay, there's a 35 to 40 age group, there's a 40 to 45 age group, there's a 40. They, don't, they only really reward the, the top 
um, people, which which I like. So that's you. As I said, I've never really won anything. Running. But you're not running to win. Well, this is what I was about to say. That it's with running. It's not about. Um, it's not really about competing with other, against other people. It's about competing with yourself. And it's about, uh, I guess, um, doing doing what you what makes you happy. So as training as much as you want. So how totally up to you how how much you want to um, push it yourself. And you really you the race is against yourself more than against other people because we all we're running we all built with an um, inherent ability coming from our ancestors, mm-hmm. mainly from our parents, with a kind of, um, with an aerobic capacity, or maybe call it an athletic capability that comes from our parents. And you can train to optimize that, but you can only optimize it to a certain level. So some, you know, these these top marathon people running two, whatever, two or threes, two or fours, a lot of people just don't have, would never have the ability. Some people just don't, they're not born with the ability to run under three hours. Mm. So you can train and you can get better, but we all have our limits. So that's what I'm saying. You're not, um, it's not a fair game from the start, really, because we're all born with different abilities. Oh, I don't even, so the Africans, they start running when they're young. Yeah. You know, and so they've yeah. got 15 years yeah. on us before, like, everyday running. Um, yeah. That's a lot of training in yeah. the lead-up, and then we might yeah. come in at a later age, and yeah. there's no way that we can even equal that. Yeah. that um, also, they, a lot of them live out altitude, and that's a, a massive yeah. advantage as well. Being born up there and training up there is, is a big advantage. We can run. We can run from that age if we want it. So the age is not the barrier, it's the desire. Uh, also, whoever... It's the environment as well. Yeah, whoever wants to run when you're a spoiled teenager in Australia, who would ever want to put themselves through any hardship? So let's they go back to transition. games at home. <laughs> yeah, well... You know, and stuffing themselves full of food. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, transition. Yeah. Uh, from road running... Oh, yeah. Marathons or half yeah. marathons to massive 260. Yeah. So I guess, uh, it, I mean, I've always liked, as I said, I like the kind of base nature of trail running. It takes you back to kind of caveman times when we were hunting for food and running through. It's, I'm not, it's a stretch, what I'm saying, because they didn't have aid stations and they didn't have all the technology that we have with um, backpacks and... Uh, food and all that special food we have now but you know there's something base about it and i love running in the forest and with friends and uh, to me it's more like a big adventure actually and and the longer the race the longer the adventure Mm -hmm. Uh, but also i mean i am competitive very competitive with myself and maybe with with other people as i said i've never run any one any running races but i'm kind of competitive with myself I guess to see how far I can push myself and I, that's what drove me really so the first race um, I kind of knew I, we, with my wife I'd done some mountain biking races so that is kind of dirty outside you know you, you and, and that's kind of we're headed me in the direction of the trails I guess and but then uh, as I said it's much simpler that Running, in essence, uh, is one foot in front of the other. 
there's no rocket. Anyone can do it, really. So I love that simplicity about it. And I said, I love you know the way you can get to see the and you know all everyone shapes and sizes, and I love that. So, um, but I heard of um, um, the first race, really trail race. I did proper on six foot track. So that goes from um, the dead tree in Katoomba. It's called the Dead Tree Tumor to uh, Janine Caves. So it goes downhill for an hour and a half, across the river, which is normally waist deep, and then up, uphill for an hour and a half, roughly, and then two and a half hours of kind of undulating, uh, to, and then down to Janine Caves at the finish. So that's 800 people in that race. Um, it's been going about 35 years, and yeah, amazing. That's How incredible. many Ks is that? That's 45 Ks, that race. So just a bit more than a marathon, but it takes on average about an hour and a half longer uh, than a marathon. So I signed up to a running group called NRG, Northside Running Group. Uh, and yeah, we all trained together every Saturday, and amazing camaraderie. So I ran, I ran it this year as well, which was my ninth time doing six foot track. And there's a little uh, kind of place called Deviation, which is about 35 k's in when you're starting to really flag. And every year now, all the, the supporters drive up there. It's like three hours from Sydney, and they make it kind of their own little oh, cheer squad nice. in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, there's about 15, 20 people cheering you on. Uh, it's fantastic. You know, you love, especially when you're really starting to uh, tire. Uh, that you know, with 10 days to go, so uh, yeah, great running club. So, I've been a member with them for about 10 years of uh, NRG. So, so, I went from that one to um, I think it was the North, it's now called the UTA, Alps Trail Australia, uh, 100k at that. Uh, so, six foot two March, Alps Trail Australia, or North Face as it was known then, is in May, and then. Um, there's another one called the Great North Walk, which goes from Lake Macquarie, Terralba, and f- finishes at uh, Yarramalong. If you're doing 100k, finishes at Yarramalong in the Hunter, or if you're doing 100 miler, finishes at um, Patonga, which is the best finish of any race. Oh. They, run a sh- they ring a ship's bell as you uh, run along the beach. Uh, oh, it's, that's a, cool. it's amazing, and you've done 100 miles. and. Uh, but the first two years for Great North Walk, I did the 100Ks, and um, the way I felt when I finished the 100Ks is that there was absolutely no chance I could run more. I thought there's no way I could do more than... Because your legs, I found my legs hurt normally after about 40-45Ks of a race, so then to push on with uh, legs uh, that are very sore for, for the next 55 to get to the finish at 100k by the time and then there was the whole balancing nutrition and uh, liquid intake and everything I was totally wasted you know you're kind of struggling across the line when you get to 100k your legs are uh, incredibly sore so I thought you know 100k was, was it but then I friends of mine a few friends so a few friends of mine were doing the 100 miler and they were they're humans you know and they're the same as me and I thought oh so I think it's a mindset I didn't think I could do more than 100k and I think this applies to 10k or 21k or 42k if you don't think that you can do it then you can't do it but if you adjust your mind um 
to the fact you're gonna do it, <laughs> then then yeah, I mean maybe you adjust your race pace, but I think that's what it, you train also to be able to try and accomplish it. But really, especially with ultras, I'd say ultras anything above half marathon is not about running. Um, it's very little about running. It's much more about determination, uh, uh, headedness. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason why I I thought you'd be interesting to speak to, aside from the fact that you run 100k straight, you know, that's um, beyond my comprehension, but just what what goes through, like how long does that take, 100k run? How, what, what, what would be the time frame for that for you? So, uh, it very, uh, these are really hilly, um, well, the one in the Blue Mountains up to Australia, loads of stairs. I think it's got four and a half thousand meters of climbing and descending. It's actually the descending that, that does you in more than the climbing. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, for a lot of people, you're, that's what gets your legs is the descending. So your quads, yeah. just above your knees. That's that's what you really need to train your quads, like toughen up your quads, because that's what really gets smashed. Is, so you're doing all the weight training? No, so um, I don't do anything, we'll get onto that. I don't do any stretching, any weight training, any yoga, any anything else except for run, because I love running and I don't love yoga and I, I've tried it all and I don't love stretching and I don't love rolling. So, um, but we'll, we'll get onto that, but I don't do any of that. I just run because I love, well, when I say I love running, most of the time I love running. But has your body changed since you've been running such, like since you first started? Uh. Uh, I've lost weight, so when I got married I was 96 kilos and I'm 82 now, so I've definitely lost weight. But also around. adapted to running, yeah, so, so maybe you felt, um, you know, you had tight glutes or you had knee yeah. problems to begin with, but now it's kind of, it's not, it doesn't come through as much. I guess so, uh, but then again I think a lot of it is luck. Um, okay, that's what, interesting. What you're born with. Uh, whether you get injured or not. Um, so genetics. Yeah, genetics again. But even in like disease, they say genetics equates to ten percent or something. Okay. Your environment and your uh-huh. lifestyle is yeah. a lot more significant. Uh-huh. So I uh, I very rarely get injured, which is so lucky, isn't it? Um, mm. You could have trained your body. Yeah, I could have done. Yeah. Uh, I'm still going to put it down actually to luck. Because you're quite tall for a runner. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be um, you go to sport. Mm. Like what's your height? Yeah, 6'5". You're the tallest runner I've seen, especially on the day I can't (laughs) miss you. I I agree. I'm not built. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why I run. So is it... I don't know why I run because I'm not actually... I'm I'm quite good at some other sports. What are they, by the way? Well, squat, uh, racket sports, believe it or not. Um, I'm quite good at something with so hand, eye, hand t- eye coordination. And agility, like you can, yeah. you got a quick, quick step there. Yeah, yeah. Anything hand eye. Uh, uh, I'm a sports fanatic, I should tell you. As in, I, that was kind of my whole life from, from my childhood, whatever, hours every day playing sport. It's funny though, I gravitated to the one I'm least good at. <laughs> But you know, I love the challenge of the running. I, I found nothing that gives you, nothing that's as hard 
as running 100 miles. They're, they're, I can't imagine anything as hard, which is strange. Like, you do find a lot of people, we can get into this, in ultras, who uh, are uh, uh, addictive personalities. And you, I'll let you judge for yourself whether you think I'm that way, but there are a lot of people in ultras who have addictive personalities and who've switched their addictive personality from alcohol or drugs to running. And I'm very lucky I haven't had that. Um, uh, issue with alcohol and drugs, but I, I, you know, but am I, you know, you could go deep into psychology, am I trying to prove something to someone else? Uh, am I trying to prove something to myself? Um, okay, so you know, hypothetically, if yeah. you were trying to prove something to yourself, what would that be? I, I tell you what I'm trying to do is maximise life. And whether consciously or subconsciously, and I, I, um, I argue that two days running a hundred mile, a hundred mile race, which is what it is, gives you a year's worth of emotions, high and low, in two days, and isn't you know isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah, this is actually, yeah. I remember you saying this, and yeah. this is what made me think about doing a podcast yeah. with you, because that two days, yeah. and you um, explain that your person, you see all sides of your personality. Yeah, totally. That is so fascinating. Yeah, like, yeah. tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, uh, the cam, as I said, the highs are... The, the camaraderie, everyone milling around the start, and then you know, I know obviously I've been doing ultras for 10 years now, I know a lot of people involved in the whole thing, and you know, it's not to surface 65,000 people, there might be two or 300 people on the start line, and I, I would know vast majority of those people, but you know, you know, you're all heading off on a massive adventure that you're gonna uh, challenge yourself, but also the people. Uh, you know, I greatly appreciate all the volunteers at the checkpoints, the race director who's put, put a huge amount of effort into organising this for us, mm. getting the permits to be able to run this, you know, and the, they're under massive safety uh, because of the ridiculous society that we live in today where you, you know, and thanks to America or this suing culture. Um, do yeah. you think can you see the end or are you not even thinking about it's, the end it's not a healthy thing to yeah. think because it's so um, it's so daunting the end that it could stop you in your tracks so the, 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 the trick is to think about so in a hundred mile the one I do the hundred mile Great North Fork has five checkpoints or six checkpoints so do you just focus on the next checkpoint because it's too daunting so to, to, to think down. about. Yeah, it's too daunting to think about the whole, especially if, you, if you're hurting after forty k's and there's another hundred and thirty-six k to go. You, you know, you wouldn't be inclined to uh, okay. want to keep going. Yeah. How do you get past the pain at mm. forty k when mm. you do have another hundred and thirty k's left? So uh, the. Uh, it doesn't get much worse. 
So you, you go through these ups and downs, and um, when running an ultra, and the the, 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 there's the physical ups and downs. It's amazing how you can be in a really bad way and maybe haven't eaten enough or drunk enough or, uh, or yeah, your, your legs are in a really bad way, but then all of a sudden you can get your mojo back again. Yeah, I don't know whether it's mental or, or what it is, but it's fascinating. What trick It's is fascinating it? how the... I don't know. What... It can be, though. It can be seeing a loved one in a checkpoint or someone doing you a good turn or someone having a, just having a nice word with you on the trail or whatever, you know, hooking up with someone else as you're running along together or whatever. It, it can be... But you can be in a really dark, deep, horrible place and you can be out of that in, like, half an hour. What it's amazing. What does a dark, deep, horrible place look like? <laughs> oh, that you're that you're absolutely hating, absolutely hating it. And why, why, what, I'm never doing this, I'm never ever doing this again. I mean, famously, a lot of ultra runners, when they get finished saying, I'm never doing this, <laughs> you know, I'm never doing it again, because, uh, yeah, it's hard. Uh, but, you know, that, it's amazing. I mean, this is where you can say to me, but you've never had, you've never been through childbirth or whatever, because, uh, you know, but a lot of people do equate it to that. Not, not, not half the population can ever know what that ever feels like. But uh, even the women will say, I think, um, you know, you can, you forget very quickly about that and you just remember all the amazing highs and the positives. And that not that a trick that the brain just plays on everyone? Which is so wonderful, isn't it? Like that you yeah. know, <laughs> the crap that no, you remember. Yeah, 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 no, it is. So uh, it's just, there's nothing as challenging as war. So you're talking about the really dark place, but, you know, they're only fleeting, So really. is that from experience that you know that it's not going to last? Yeah, yeah. But in your first one, like yeah. you hadn't experienced that, or, yeah. or maybe you did with smaller running now. Like I remember growing up, I didn't know anyone that ran a marathon. Mm. And now everyone around me has pretty much run a marathon. Yeah. Do you think it's because we spend so much time in an office um, and yeah. it's our way of kind of reconnecting because it's actually a natural state, I think, yeah. to be outdoors. Totally. And so we're looking for this mm. this contrast mm. to bring us back. And so maybe we have to shift the pendulum so much further back to bring us to this equilibrium. Yeah. No, I think you're dead right right there I think it's about well Instagram and all that and social media might play a part in you know that validation from society but I also you know that's to be uh, less kind but I think to be kind is people want that challenge and people want to be do stuff that's outdoors and maybe you know we all kind of run is kind of a natural thing if mm. we can uh, so yeah, I think that's why. But also, going back to what I said, it's a sign of a, in a way, a indulgent, spoiled society that we have the money and the time to be able to to do it as well. I I hope, but also I think that running, you know, it's a yeah, it's an, it's it's a, a, certainly an acquired <laughs> certainly an acquired taste. I mean, you know, why would you? when you can walk or bus or I actually find running easier because it puts okay. less 
impact. Oh, the walking. There. So in the walking, because mm. you're using the whole foot, in mm. running, you're only using the ball of the, the yeah. feet. And so for me personally, it's... Mm. Um, how has running had an effect on your wider, like the rest of your life? Yeah. You know, have the 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 learning say oh, that might not be the right yeah. word no, no. transferred to yeah. your work, your family, your friendships. You know, whether you watch Married at First Sight or not, like yeah. like you've got a, you've got two days of seeing yourself. Mm. Um, all these personalities experiencing two years, as you put it, in yeah, two yeah. days. Your yeah. minds, you're having mm. this open dialogue consistently. Mm. How is that then? Mm. How do you bring it back into this other part of your life? Well, I think the main thing is in being never giving up and being determined and pig-headed. But I don't know whether I had that. I think I was that way anyway. Uh, and problem-solving, actually. Uh Running an ultra or getting to the end of an ultra involves a huge amount of problem solving. Like people say, I'm only bored. Like um, the longest I think I've been going is 40 and a half hours. And people say, aren't you bored? You're never bored because you're constantly thinking, and not always good things, but you're constantly thinking because you know, you constantly got to look after yourself. Eating, drinking, um, feet, sunscreen, uh, chafing, mm. you know, this constant, have I done enough of this, you know, have I, you know, how, to make it to the end, you, you constantly got to be kind of looking after yourself. I should say, very reliant in these long races on uh, people looking after you, so whether that's your um, volunteers or my long-suffering wife, because uh, it, it really takes you back to um, almost baby-like state of relying awesome. you're totally broken down uh, and you're back down to a very base state of someone needing to uh, yeah getting fed and watered <laughs> but in a way that's kind of refreshing to have to uh, there's been lots of tears I was just uh, <laughs> there's been lots of tears in um, ultra running so be that during a race when you're tired um, and don't really want to go on, um, or at the end, just through the accomplishment of this, knowing what something are the you've tears? done something. Are they um, relief, release, I think everything. pain? I think everything. I think uh, mainly in celebration of having done something you didn't think you could do. And, and knowing you've, as I said, no matter how inconsequential it is, um, you know, you're not stopping, you're not saving young children. Uh, you're, you're only running a uh, hundred mile race. But I think, yeah, that, that sense of achievement, I think, mainly comes from that. When will it be enough? Yeah, so I've often thought, when am I gonna uh, quit running and go and do something, go and do something else? Uh, because as I said you do it's not the races that are hard even though we've spoken about the races it's actually getting up every morning at 5.30 in the morning uh, in the winter and come rain yeah it's the training that is uh, I guess is harder 
So for me to train, normally I, if I'm doing an ultra race, I run seven days a week. I run between 100 and 130 k's a week. How many um, weeks out? So normally that? I start 12 weeks out. Yeah, and, okay. um, that's quite short, but because I've been doing it a while, so three months out. But because I've been doing it a while, I can leave it till. So if someone came out. fresh in. Oh, yeah, what? someone came fresh in. You, yeah, I mean, really, you can progress really quickly um, if you have the desire. Um, so they say a rough rule of thumb is to add ten percent a week. The good, the amazing thing about ultra running is you don't have to run fast. Uh, to do well, you just have to keep running. But it doesn't have to be fast. Uh, so I run. Uh, I'll, I'll go out and run around the bay at, um, I'll run at like 6 minutes per kilometre which for a lot of people is quite a leisurely pace so I will uh, find a good podcast um, tune into that podcast and go and run typically uh, on, on a weekday morning go and run 10 k's which will be just under an hour for me roughly 6 minute k's uh, and I think as I said it's good for the mind as well it's kind of um, uh, not, you know, that I need that, but I think it, it would be equivalent to some people. Just that constant footfall, I think, would be uh, equivalent for yoga for some people, mm. uh, especially at six minute k's, where it should be at a pace that you can talk, um, mm. a comfortable pace. That's all you really need to do if you just want to survive ultras. If you want to win, maybe it's a different kettle of fish. But I'm not necessarily. I'm not necessarily trying to win. Um, I like how you yeah. said necess- not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have goal races. Um, you know, that probably every year I'll have a goal race where I'm trying to do particularly well in something, one particular race. Okay. Maybe. Do yeah. you go in a race and come out of a race a different person? Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you experience something, I guess, in every race, but that would mainly come, actually, from... I meet new people all the time. So uh, I arrange quite a lot of training runs on that one... Um, the course called the Great North Walk, the one I've spoken about, comes down from uh, Lake Macquarie to Pasonga. I arrange training runs for about seven or eight training runs and then all sorts of people turn up who I've never met before. So yeah, I really enjoy that aspect because, uh, you know, there's no, um, I love trail runners as people. There's something very special about trail runners. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but there's none of that bling to do with, uh, you know, Road running, sorry, road runners. Uh, <laughs> there's not that bling about road runners and triathletes that there is. Trail runners, well, what? they've discovered. To me, it's the obviously you're talking to someone who's totally biased, but that desire to want to challenge themselves, the desire to want to be out in nature, and that desire, yeah, to want to um, kind of go beyond. Yeah. So I guess we're all. We're mostly, yeah, kind of one, you found a like-minded spirit if you mm. come across a truck. Normally very interesting people. As I said, you know, it, it, it attracts people perhaps with uh, addictive 
um, personalities. Have you been, um, like in one of your big runs, like just felt completely in flow and you're just loving the moment? Oh, of, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you describe what that feels like? <laughs> he's a like Forrest Gump and he just keeps running and he's just settled in and he's in the zone and like... Yeah, I have to say that's far more likely to happen in the first half of a, of a race than okay, it is in the, the start. That is in the, uh, is in the back half. Um, it's... And is the feeling that you've had yeah. anywhere else? Or is it unique to that, to running? Uh, yeah, running is very different. Yeah, running is very different from any other any other sport I've done before. Um, I try and remind myself when I'm running to look around and how lucky I am. Try and remind myself how lucky I am to have the opportunity to do this and to try and take in the nature that's around me and appreciate the fact I can run, whereas a lot of people cannot run, you know, they, they don't have the physical ability, they might be stuck in a wheelchair or, um, or have some issue that prevents them from running. So I try and appreciate and try and run, I try and run myself with all those people who can't run. You know, that, I try and remind myself yeah, of that uh, when I'm doing it. Uh, the you're always I'm always kind of working hard when I'm running. So that absolute state of nirvana, I don't know about that because I'm always kind of um, thinking. Well, I'm always kind of normally working pretty hard, like breathing pretty hard. Yeah. When I'm doing when I'm doing a race, I guess my more my more chill, relaxed time is when I'm training, when I'm just out and I've got a podcast. In uh, then I'm kind of often in the morning, and in, you know, often the winters. The first five minutes is cold, but you, you know, you warm up and you're out there, and it's a crisp winter's morning. The sun's out, you know, and you six minute k's. So for me, kind of cruising around and. Uh, but this is the kind of anal side of me. I'm also, if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm normally, it's normally if I'm normally like learning something or uh, listening to, you know, normally a fascinating speaker at the same time. And I think, shit, I'm um, out there in nature, I'm getting fit, I'm losing weight, uh, and I'm learning something, you know, man. How lucky am I? Yeah. That's that's, so yeah. <laughs> it's so efficient. It's a bit sad, but you know, I love the efficient. That's the other yeah, thing. The efficiency, like gyms, like you know, gyms. Really, why? You know, why pay twenty five dollars a week? Or you know, yoga is different. I think because that that helps with the body and the and the mind. But really, going to the gym and who goes to the gym and goes on a treadmill or goes on a stairmaster. Like, why pay that money to be stuck inside when we've got the most beautiful country here that you can go running in? And, you know, if you want to lose weight, there's nothing better than either fast walking or slow running to lose weight. And, and it's next to, next to free, almost. I mean, you don't need even special clothes. All you need is a pair of trainers, and everyone's got one of those in Australia. I mean, really, uh, get outside. I think you can forget how good it is, you know, when you stop doing it or 
um, when you've actually probably never done a lot of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. then you've got to build it again. Yeah. No, it's hard. Because even when you wake up in the morning, you go, ah. Oh. Oh, no. And then you get out there and you yeah. go, of course, yeah, yeah, of course yeah, yeah, yeah. I should be here, it's perfect, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to be anywhere exactly, else. Yeah. But you have those moments where your mind yeah. goes, oh, sleep in, oh, yeah, press yeah. snooze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess th- this is my, that's my, my advantage is being driven. That's, this is where my advantage is being driven. So the, my training, by the way, everyone does it differently. My training is to set myself a goal number for the week of oh, how many k's, k's of how many k's I want to do for the week so that would be 100 k's for me and it doesn't matter how you do it and it doesn't matter how I do it when I do it I oh, just oh, I just want to do it and I think because I'm driven from that perspective I don't need no one else knows how many k's I've done for the week it's just me but I'm driven enough myself to accomplish that uh, but that's, so with a goal like yeah. that would you say okay when you wake up and you run, I'm going to do 20 k's and try to get a lot of it done in the first three, four days, or do you spread yeah. it out or leave it to the end? Yeah, so my tactics are to run every day. So that also takes me doubts about the fact whether I'm getting up in the morning or not getting up in the morning because I know I'm getting up in the morning. So I'm running every day. Also, if you miss a day, it makes it a lot harder for those other days, right? But also, I should say I have to have a goal race. If I don't have a race lined up, can't. I'm not getting out of bed if I don't have a race, right? So I need a. I'm not just going to go out training to lose weight or for the hell of it or fitness. I like to have a goal race. I like to have something to aim for. And if you didn't, what would that be then? Like, why, if you're not running, why yeah. do you need a goal race? Well, because same as everyone else, sometimes it's tempting just to lie in bed and not, yeah. not, not get out of bed. Yeah, it just makes it so much easier. Yeah, it kind of has that, gives you that yeah. accountability. Yeah, and actually doing a race is, so I'm not just trying to do one in the race, but if you haven't trained, it makes the race hard. So it's much easier to mm. train. But I mean, I'm jumping around, but you asked me when am I going to do something else, which is a question, when am I going to give up running, which is a question I ask myself a lot because I told you there are times when I when I'm hating it and times when I yeah really don't like really don't like it um, but and I think okay and there are more worthwhile things to do, to do as in to contribute to society in some way or or even selfish things to do like become a better chef or a gardener not that I want to do that right now or you know there are other things other hobbies to pursue or even other sports to pursue if I wanted so why don't I so that's always um, in my mind and I'm, I think one day uh, just a switch will but as I said up to this point I've never found anything that is as challenging I love the whole ethos of trail running I love the challenge and the mountains and the you know, people. Uh, so we've Do you gained. Know what? Anything can be challenging, you know. Mastering anything is challenging. Oh, totally. But why is it? I love why? the physical. Though I've always been a sporty, yeah, sporty person. Uh, but you know, I do think there is in me. The reason you're talking to me is because I've done extreme 
stuff, right? So I think I do love that validation from other people. So there's an element of sort of showing off. The ego. Yeah, yeah, the ego in there that I've gone beyond. But I also know, and for your listeners, whatever I've done, there are people who've done way more than I've done. Way more. What is way more? (laughs) You name it, people have done it. It's yeah, ridiculous. They take it they take it a whole nother The interesting thing about running is the ego drives you to do it. But in the running, doesn't it fall away? Oh totally, as I said, you get taken taken back to being a baby (laughs) almost when everything gets stripped away. Uh, yeah, there's no uh, pretense. So it's just the irony is that one thing that drives yeah. you gets you there, but it, yeah. or takes you there, but it it has it loses it gets lost as well. Curious. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, because in a way you are reliant. We are on volunteers, and to some degree you're reliant. You can, you could do stuff by yourself. But also within yourself, you kind of have to let go and, and, and just keep going without yeah. overthinking it or over-questioning. And so do, yeah. do you find that, that the dialogue you're having is with, like, yeah. you, you're playing with your ego all the time during the... Yeah. The ego almost, also, the ego almost helps in a way because you know you'd have to tell people if you don't finish. So that almost helps. You know, people are watching. I wonder if you would do it if you would do trail running, or, or if you, if no one knew about it, if there were no yeah goals, no races, nothing. Yeah. Well, as I said, I've never won anything, so I'm not really. So I'm not doing it for that. Yeah, Val- I, just from where I sit on, as an yeah. observer, I, I know you well, but yeah. not super well, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I see you run, like mm. you're running with yourself, it's not mm. about anyone outside yeah, yeah. of you, Yeah, yeah. it's quite lovely to watch, yeah, I, yeah. But maybe <laughs> it's not as much of the ego as you think, like this. Yeah, I don't know, I actually sound... I love the camaraderie and I love the running, but also I'm very happy in my own. Like I don't arrange to meet anyone to go for a run or I like the uh, freedom of leaving the house whenever I want in the morning. I don't go to run sessions despite encouragement from my uh, friend Fletch who owns Running Science to make me go to his run sessions, you know, it's all out of the goodness of his heart. But you know, I, I just like kind of doing my own thing uh, so during the week. But I had, had some amazing, like 10 of us went to France and ran around Mont Blanc in, in a race. And, is that the uh, famous yeah. trail run? Yeah. Yeah. To, that uh, you have to get an application to run in? You have to qualify to. Uh, so we, we didn't get in the first year, but we all got in for the second year as a group. So 10 or 11 of us went, and yeah, amazing. Uh, is it cold then? Is it? It's everything. Uh, yeah, they make you carry a lot of kit because water, waterproof gloves and waterproof jacket, waterproof trousers. There's one, we left one checkpoint, we were crossing over. This all sounds very, uh, 
exotic, but we were crossing over from Italy into Switzerland. You go through three countries in the race, and we were about to go from Italy, and you had a long climb for like an hour and a half, two hours, and then down into Switzerland. And uh, they wouldn't let us leave the checkpoint. This is everyone in the race, unless you had your waterproof jacket on and your waterproof trousers on and your and your um, beanie on. And I knew why after about 20 minutes because it's snowing and and blowing absolute like gale as if you were up in the, in the North Pole uh, and freezing cold. And like so we you know as they're climbing for like an hour and a half, two hours to cross over the top of this mountain and it was absolutely freezing when we got to the top. But that's what yeah. Yeah. How many Ks is that, that one? That's 160 Ks. That took me, I think, you've got 46 hours to finish. It took me 38, I think, I can't remember. But uh, you've, um, there's, what was I going to say? 10,000 metres of a climb and descent. So that's like going from sea level to 2,000 metres above Everest. Oh, wow. And back down, which is the hard bit, as I said, the, on your knees in 38 hours. Are you stopping for like a, a, a half an hour, an hour rest? So there's checkpoints on the way around. About, I'd say, oh, there's quite a lot of checkpoints. There's quite a few checkpoints on the way around. Uh, so, yeah, when you get down to the villages, like Kulmer is one, one of the checkpoints and whatever, and they feed you up, they give you some soup, or, and there's, yeah, there's food and water in the checkpoints as well. But you're not having a sleep? No, well, it's up to you. Uh, I'd probably, I've never slept in a, in well, that's a, in not a race. that's not a is it? <laughs> no, well, it's a race. You want to sleep? Yeah, sleep later. It ain't going to help much but some people obviously if you haven't had a good week if you've had kids keeping you awake during the week or whatever yeah. sometimes you just might not be able to stay. and some people also don't have the capability this they just need sleep something sometimes maybe depends what rhythm you're in in your life or your month whatever you just might not be able to stay awake and you might be better off having 10 minutes or half an hour might actually benefit you time wise rather than just trying to stay awake um, what have you learned about your body? Oh, it's a cliche, but uh, yeah, you can do just so much more than you think you can do. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this is true, but they say when you want to give up, you totally, you totally spent. You think you've had enough. They say you're about thirty-five percent through of what you can do. Oh wow! And I would say that's about right. Thirty-five percent. Thirty-five percent. I don't know whether that's true, but that's in 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 trail running uh, folklore. I wish you never told me that. That is that is what they say, and I think that's that's probably true. I mean, I I can't believe, and when I say me, I mean a lot of people could do it if they wanted to that you can run 176 or 200, whatever, 250k on foot in 38 hours. I mean, some people do it in 28 hours, but you can go human-powered, you know, it's, it's a long way, isn't it? In the car, it's a long way. Yeah, So to, 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 you know, 
You just Why? don't know until you try. If the body's so strong, yeah. Why is the mind so weak? Yeah. Maybe it's a safety mechanism. Uh, but also, maybe we've just grown soft. Okay. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. Okay. That. Mm. But doesn't the body always take the or the mind take the easy way out? So a sign of wealth in India is actually being fat because you can afford to feed yourself. Mm. Maybe it's the same in Western society. Because, you know, this is unfortunate, is the body's conditioned, I think, to store for later. Mm. Going back in time, obviously, you never knew when the next meal was going to come along, so the body was conditioned to store. So maybe it goes back. If I'm being generous, yeah. maybe we go back. That's the problem. But you think it would have worked by now in some yeah. Western culture that we don't have to store? <laughs> but the mind's weak. What We're too easily tempted, aren't we, to yeah. indulge. Yeah, the mind is weak. Yeah. So has running made your mind stronger? I love chocolate. Yeah. And ice cream. Uh, I, I guess so. Okay, sorry, I don't know if you answered this, but trans, how does this, how has running, um, what's the domino effect to other areas of your life? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, it has a, obviously, last 10 years of, well, 12 years or something, I mean, it has a massive impact on, uh, all my life through, obviously I run every day. Uh, a lot of, not just, um, we don't have kids, so that isn't a big part of my life. Uh, but my wife also is very active doing triathlon, like I said. So I guess we're both busy, but the, it's just, it's not just the, doing the races and the sport, it's open up a whole uh, plethora of uh, opportunities, things, abilities for us to be able to do things and see things and make new friends. Yeah, uh, it, yeah I mean, in a way it's sad, it's all often based around um, sport, but uh, yeah, it's just given us like one of the best days we ever had. Uh, and because it combines so many things that we love was we went down in the middle uh, of summer, we went down from, we started from the top of the Grand Canyon at 4.30 in the morning and went to the, down to the river, down the bottom of the Grand Canyon and, uh, and came back up. And this is like 100 degree uh, day, Fahrenheit day in, in America. So yeah, and we so, to get to but, the but what we love, but what we loved about that is is several things. It was the, you know, I think people telling us you, you shouldn't do that. Uh, but yeah, in the most incredible uh, nature in, in the Grand Canyon, actually in the middle of the Grand Canyon, there's no people. 
down there, right? When you very the people on donkeys, you know, paid a lot of money to go on a donkey trek to get down there, or people who are staying down there four days. There's no one who's they're all near the rim of the canyon because no one's got the fitness to, mm. especially on a hundred degree day to go down there. But you know, we planned it. It's just it was the adventure and it was the being out of nature and it's the doing what kind of they were saying you shouldn't do uh, try and go down and back up in a day uh, you know but we haven't but you know obviously we were pretty experienced now in doing ultra kind of extreme events so we were well provisioned as regards but there was that planning we like I guess the planning we like the planning side of it too so you had to make sure you had enough liquid you knew where the water was you had enough food you know because you had to again it was like survival like looking after yourself in that kind of extreme so yeah but also just like we got there were streams like we'd be so we got in the stream when we got down there there's the Colorado River or whatever across the bridge but then there's a few streams and we were just hanging out totally fully clothed in the streams like letting the cold water rush over us and then as we made our way coming back up we thought we'd stay down there all day and wait for the sun to go down before trying to get back up the climb back up so you don't get heat stroke and everything because everyone warned us about the dangers of it but we've been down there about two or three hours and, and it's still so we left i think 4 30 in the morning we got down there at, we got to the bottom at eight o'clock about like three and a half hours whatever to the bottom there's a combination of, kind of fast. fast walking and that's fast and, and running but, but then we were down there and we went there's a, a kind of um farm a ranch down there which serves some food a few um, but it's difficult to get things in like down the bottom down there it's pretty isolated but there's a few things you can buy a coffee or whatever and then we hung out down there for a while. then it started to get hot and we thought really we, it's like nine o'clock in the morning nine thirty. we thought really we're gonna hang out here till four o'clock uh, just to wait to go back up something that let's, let's just do it so yeah now i went back up to this family five five hours to get back up I think wow. to the top but we're back by last time like at the top no one could believe it <laughs> yeah it was amazing so and then yeah you come across again start to encounter people as you get nearer and nearer to the room people going out and it's like 100 degrees and they're in jeans and inappropriate footwear and no wonder people get in trouble mm. you know they've got all this small bottle of water whatever you think oh my god you just you're a risk to yourself <laughs> yeah. You know, with long distance, anything long distance, you, you you settle in and you learn patience because you know you you're going through different emotions. Yeah. How is, does, has that helped you those um, learning those skills uh-huh. if, you, if one is back in work? So uh, as I said, I'm very I never give up, <laughs> which would we could, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, you know, if there's a challenge. I'm very good at, uh, I guess, researching. I'm going to work in UX research, right? But I'm very good at finding things, like, uh, research-wise. Um, but very, I work a lot with technology, and technology is amazing, and it's frustrating when it doesn't work. But I, I'm incredibly persistent when something doesn't work uh, to f- finding a way to get it to work again. Uh, and I guess I'm very inquisitive uh, as well, but incredibly determined, which is not necessarily a good thing. Sometimes it might be better just to give up on 
<laughs> on stuff rather than keep, uh, yeah, um, doggedly kind of pursue it until I uh, have got there in the end. Uh, but I don't know whether I was like that. <laughs> Probably inquisitive and everything before. Uh, but maybe ultra just satisfies a lot of the way I, I kind of was. And that, looking for that physical challenge. Uh, it takes a lot of boxes. And maybe the validation, as I said. Uh, yeah. Um, from other people. I could ask, like, keep asking questions all day, but we've got to go. Yeah. Just before we go, yeah. just my last question is, like, when you've been running, what crazy, like, what's some of the crazy ideas that have come into your head? Like, one yeah. or two, like, um, do you yeah. become delusional when you start seeing things or hearing things? Like, this uh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, um, well, fame's especially on the big, really, when you, yeah, when you start to go past 30 hours, I think, um, it's a night, I mean, it's only, really, it's only um, happened to me once that I've started to see things, and I was, it was when I did from the coast to the top of Kosciuszko, so that one was 245 kilometres. And so I've been awake 39 and a half hours or 40 hours and I was freezing. We got to the top of Kosciuszko and, uh, and it was freezing, absolutely freezing cold. And I think it was a couple of things there. One, it was cold. But two, you've been ex- exercising. You're totally depleted. You know, you're very close to a half hospital case uh, by that point in time. Uh, so, but I had all had all my like ski style gear up there. With you have to have people accompany you on the last stretch, which takes I think two and a half hours really from Charles Pass to the top of Kosciuszko, and the finish is back down at Charles Pass. And so I got made to the top um, of Kosciuszko, but then I've got to get back down to Charles Pass. Um, but of course it's downhill, kind of easier if, if you can go in a straight line. So my wife tells me this day that I was leaning heavily and veering off to the right of the track and I don't remember any of that. Uh, I thought I was bolt upright and to this day I will tell you I was bolt upright but other people who saw me said I was leaning right over which is actually a sign I think the brain starts to, uh, is starting to play games. But yeah, I was seeing, then I was seeing stuff because I was incredibly tired and the grass, my headlight on the grass, it was like, seriously, it was like, it was like, looked like, because the, the wind was actually howling and, and the grass, really long, really not normal grass, I'm talking kind of small child high grass. Was, and it, to me, it was looking like animals uh, jumping out from. It's like you're dreaming. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely seeing, hallucinating. I was definitely hallucinating at that point. Uh, were you scared then while you were running? Uh, no, no, not really. I just wanted it over. I wanted to lie down <laughs> and wow. go to sleep. Um, yeah. So I only had about another half an hour and an hour to go uh, of that one. But that's, as I said, 40, 40 and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of my longest. But, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a lady running out there, Courtney DeWater, um, and she, yeah, she does like one minute sleeps or five minute sleeps. She, I mean, she's an amazing athlete. She, she beats the guys. 
Uh, and that's a good, another good thing about ulcers actually is um, it equalizes that male-female, uh, you know, physically. I, th I think women are stronger, certainly much better placing themselves. I think than, um, um, man, it's refreshing also. I mean, I did a trail, I did a training run on the six-foot track um, in February, and it was nice to see more women out there than mm. men. And I think, yeah, it's much more. I think because women's bodies are more built for long distance yeah. than the short distance, and yeah. so you get to whatever, there's a cave, I don't know what it is, but huh. it, it becomes equal that you can, um, yeah. that females and males yeah. can become equal, their yeah. pace, yeah. And also I think the male ego is too strong at the start, and they go off at a unrealistic pace, whereas women are much more realistic, <laughs> much better at pacing themselves. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite fun to see play out. So what's next? What have you got coming up? So I thought I'd try uh, for something totally different. Well, still in the running context. If we're still talking about running, um, it is to uh, run, try and run a sub three marathon, which only 3% of people do ever in a year is run under three hours. Um, and... Uh, I th at 53, I thought that would be a good challenge because also I'm used to running six-minute kilometres in training, whereas um, this will involve running some four-minute kilometres in training and will involve run running an average of four-minute 16 seconds per K to achieve the three-hour marathon. So it's totally different type of running for me, so I'm just mixing it up a bit. Which one are you doing? So I'm going to try for the Gold Coast, which I think has been in July. I've got another 12 weeks anyway. Uh, so I'm actually realising my limitations as being, obviously once you go over, uh, I guess it's in your 40s somewhere, you start on a downhill trend of natural uh, aerobic capability. So I'm on that down path, but I thought it would be kind of nice to try and see if I could break three hours of the marathon. Normally I'm a trail runner as well, not a road runner. Oh, it's a whole different mindset, isn't it? Yeah, and also you've got to do two lots of speed sessions. The good thing is... Maybe Fletch can uh, get you for the speed. Well, that's what he's trying <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, yeah, of course. So, but the difference is I've got one day off a week and I'm running 85Ks a week, 80, 85Ks a week rather than 130. Uh, but um, two of those sessions, like one I've got one today, you absolutely turn yourself inside out. Uh, but are you yeah. buggered afterwards? Like, do, are you, yeah, do you find no, you need to sleep a lot more when no, you're training? No, no, in a very different way. To, actually, so now my long runs are shorter. So on a Saturday or Sunday, I'm actually walking around rather than hobbling. Whereas before, when I was doing ultras, I would do a 40k long run or something. And then I'll, my legs were mm. not very sore on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, so I'm doing sub, trying for a sub-free marathon, and you could call me pessimistic or realistic, but I think my odds are probably less than 50% of achieving that. But I'll give it my best shot. Yeah, I'm shot. sure you will. <laughs> and you can imagine I will. Yes. So, and I'm running a couple of 100-mile races, one in the UK in August, um, which finishes 10 minutes from my mum's house. So 
So I'm telling her I didn't have enough money for the train fare to get home, so I ran home. <laughs> so uh, that's in the UK. And then I'm doing, this will be my 10th time doing the 100 miler at Great North Walk this year, which you... What month's that in? That's in beginning of September. So that's, here comes the ego validation of getting a, you get a special medal when you've done 10, 100 miles at that race. So if I finish, and there's no guarantees, of course, ever. I think you will finish well, on the 10. You, there's no way you're going to stop. Well, I give instructions actually to my wife or, or crew that unless there's something sticking out of me, uh, that uh, uh, don't let me pull out. Unless I need the hospital, don't let me pull out. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, very determined. But you just never know. You might get injured, yeah. you might... Uh, you just... But it just means that you'll just go back next year, the yeah. year after. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, if my body is capable, uh, then I'll, yeah. It's a, as I said, it's a uh, blessing or gift or uh, privilege. I wonder um, yeah, do, do. where you and your running career will be in 10 years' time. Yeah, I wonder too. I keep thinking, wondering about when I'm going to give out this stupid sport up and go and do something like cooking or something something else that takes my fancy I mean there's lots of lots of things out there as I said there's much more social um, good that could be done mm, maybe you just um, nothing can feel feel it yet like maybe like maybe I'm still too young <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you, Celeste. Okay.